Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Rancho on AM 770 KTTH, streaming on the KTTH smartphone app. If you don't have it, you're making a big mistake. You better download it immediately wherever it is you get your apps or go directly to KTTH.com. More speed cameras are coming to Seattle and they're supposed to make the city safer. But of course, that's not what this is about. That is what's trending. What's trending? In Seattle. Let us just dispose of the notion that when we get these new cameras, speed cameras, congestion cameras, block the box cameras, whatever they want to use around it, has nothing to do with what they claim. It has nothing to do with reducing speed or reducing congestion or getting people out of the box. It has everything to do with getting more revenue. That's all that it is. And in Seattle, like so many other cities have tried, they're actually moving forward and installing more traffic cameras. And they say it's it's because we want to keep traffic moving. We want to cut down on drivers blocking the box, the intersections. We want to stop the drivers from illegally driving in the bus lanes. And they're doing this now, of course, because we have more people going into downtown. With Amazon reopening three days a week and soon, hopefully, every day, it's obviously increased the amount of cars going in and out of the city. The problem, however, for anyone who actually drives in downtown is that if you do not block the box, if you do not sometimes go into a bus lane, the truth is you will never leave the lane that you're stuck in. That's how bad traffic is. None of the efforts that they've even attempted to try have resulted in a better driving experience. They pull out lanes for cars. They give them over to bike lanes, creating even more traffic. And then they blame you for having to break minor traffic laws in order to get some relief. This has always been the case. This has always been the case in downtown Seattle, at least since they decided to move forward with the bus-only lanes, the bike-only lanes. It's always been a nightmare. I I remember, I want to say about five years ago, maybe even a little bit longer than that, I put my cell phone on my dashboard or on the dashboard of the, the station vehicle, and I just recorded driving about a mile. And you can tell how bad of an experience it is by just going through maybe five minutes of that video, because particularly around Mercer, you're not going across. You're not going to be able to cross a street or make a right or a left turn within one, two, three, four, or even five light cycles. That's how backed up it is. The only way you can move is if you cheat a little bit. And of course the buses are doing exactly the same thing. They don't get ticketed. Of course they never get ticketed. It's okay when they break any of the rules. Bicyclists, of course, don't even use half the time the bike-only lanes. They'll go into the car lanes and then cause everybody else to slow down. It's absolutely ludicrous. And then you get poor people like Joe talking with Como TV who gets stuck in the traffic. Seems like it gets pretty congested over here. Always people trying to fight the lights and blocking the crosswalks and just think it's just horrible. It is horrible, but it's by design. They want to get people out of cars. They 100% want to get people out of cars. And so now what they're doing is putting up new cameras along Denny Way, Yale Avenue, and Stewart Street. And that's usually what people are going to take when they try to get onto I-5. They're going to go up in on Boren Avenue, Howell Street. And on top of that, they're putting some cameras on the West Seattle Bridge. 
Now, SDOT officials said there's going to be SDOT, Seattle Department of Transportation. There's going to be a 30 day grace period for drivers so you can get used to the new traffic enforcement, meaning, hey, you get one violation, you'll, you'll get a warning if you're blocking the box or if you're speeding. But after that, you're going to get hit with a $75 ticket, which is just enough to say, okay, I guess it's worth it. It's not that big of a deal. Not enough to change any behaviors, but it starts to add up from the city perspective. And they end up getting more money. That's all that this is about. Although, here's a spokesperson from SDOT pretending otherwise. The goal is not to write tickets. It's really to enhance the safety on our roadways. No, it's to not. help to get the roads moving. No, it's and not. to get people safely where they need to go. No, it's not. That's a good line, and it's the same line that's always used. When you go and look, and I think it was the city of, I think it was Kent. We went over a few months ago. The data from their speed cameras. And again, I th- I'm pretty sure it was Kent. And it did not show any improvement. It did not show speeds went down. It just showed more tickets going out. That's all that there is. Seriously, that is all that there is. And if they truly cared about safety, if they truly cared about moving things along, they could do a number of things that don't involve collecting $75 from anyone who might break a law in good faith, meaning they're not doing it because they're jerked, but they're doing it because they want to get home or they want to get to their second job. This is absolute lunacy. And I say that as someone who's not even a driver, and this stuff gets me upset. I was on a bus the other day that was speeding faster than any car on the road. It was so dangerous. So please spare me. Oh, the drivers are the problem. We got we to gotta stop them because they're getting in the way of the buses. No, stop it. How about putting some parking enforcement folks to conduct traffic, especially around Mercer, which they used to do with SPD. They don't have the staff to do that. I think Amazon now has to hire some folks. Do that in downtown. Have an actual human being in the middle of these busy intersections helping to guide traffic along. You could do that right now. But then, of course, that might mean you would take someone off giving people tickets. And again, the whole goal here is to give people tickets. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending on the road? Just to give you a better sense, since we're already in the world of driving, How little understanding there seems to be from the Biden administration when it comes to the situation with driving and the gas that you're putting in your car, spending an insane amount of money on each and every time you end up having to fill up. I thought we'd play a clip from Janet Yellen, Secretary Yellen, Treasury Secretary, of course. She was on with CNN and she was asked about the price of gas and she wants you so badly to fall for this line that there's no issues, all is well, prices are are going down, they're not going to hit that high price anymore, in, in a way that indicates she doesn't really even understand how much gas costs right now. And obviously it's different depending on where you live, but it's still astronomical. But tell me if you think that Janet Yellen understands that. Well, we've seen some increase uh partly because of the summer, summer driving season uh-huh. and global factors. but yeah. It, it, by the way, they always do that. It has to do with something else. They never mention the taxes that are imposed on gasoline in Democrat-run states like in Washington, California, insane gas taxes. They never mention that. They never mention that as part of the reason why people are suffering. But it's always, well, you know, it's something, it's OPEC. They say that because no one understands what that means. Gas prices are down uh, off their highs over $1.20. So, of course, this is an area of uncertainty, but um, we're certainly well off the highs. 
we're certainly well off the highs, she says. The average gas in this country is $3.87, which is a heck of a lot higher than it was under Trump. But when you look to the entire West Coast, the entire West Coast is over $4. And of course, the closer you get to the coasts, the more expensive it is. Now, California is the highest. They they have retaken that spot, $5.17. Washington is close behind at $5.03. And again, this is the average in the state. Because I've seen some of the posts, the photos that you have posted on my Twitter feed or Facebook, where, you know, you live in Monroe or Auburn, and you're showing me gas prices of $5.66, which is just absolutely insane. Oregon is at $4.07, or excuse me, $4.70. Nevada is $4.42. Idaho is $4.10. Utah, $4.22. Arizona, $4.17. Montana, $4. I mean, it's absolutely absurd. It's absolutely absurd. I mean, Hawaii and Alaska, these are states that have to have their all their goods shipped to them for the most part. States that are not easy to even find a, a gas station in Alaska because of how spread out everything is. You have Hawaii obviously dealing with the aftermath of the Hawaii wildfires, and they're cheaper than all of us on the West Coast. Hawaii's 478, Alaska's 449. Do you get a sense that this administration understands or cares about any of this? Do you get the sense that Democrats understand or care about any of this? Because in addition to All of their energy policies that have impacted the price of gasoline. Remember, this is an administration that is pretty open about wanting to ban gas-powered vehicles. They're coming after your stoves first. This is an administration that makes it nearly impossible to drill domestically, forcing us to be reliant on those external international factors that Janet Yellen points out, as if this administration hasn't made us more reliant on the international supply. But then again, you've got all those taxes. And I'm not even locally, I'm not even talking yet about the carbon tax. Without that, just our normal gas tax is a little over 49 cents. California is 77 cents. Illinois is 56 cents. It's absolute lunacy. And the intent, just like the intent in downtown Seattle is to get you out of your car and they're going to ticket you to death. They're going to force you to sit in traffic and get a bunch of tickets until you just decide, okay, I'm done. I'm going to give up my car. That's what this is all about. They want to starve the supply, drive up the costs, and then try to force you to change your habits. Sometimes that means getting an electric vehicle. Other times it means just giving up your cars altogether. And of course, most people cannot just get rid of their cars. Some of us can. And some of us make that choice. I made that choice. Not because of anything the city did, although it certainly didn't help, but because I live close to work, don't need a car. I can take a Lyft or an Uber, which does, by the way, impact me. The Seattle concepts or the, excuse me, Seattle programs and strategies and initiatives and whatnot. But I don't want to pay like $285 a month for parking. I just refuse to pay that. And so until I'm forced into a car, I'm going to stay out of it. 
But there are a lot of you who, let's say you live in Renton and you work in downtown Seattle. Or you live in Marysville and you work in Everett. You live in Tacoma, but you have to commute to your job in Tukwila or vice versa. Whatever it happens to be, especially when you have kids, you can't just give up your car. And because of the cost right now of just living in Washington and in this country due to inflation that was caused by, yep, the Biden administration. You can't just afford a new EV, which are not cheap. They don't seem to care. And I just wish when they would talk about these issues, they would have just a little bit of compassion. Just a little bit. But they're too busy trying to pat themselves on the backs for doing a quote-unquote great job, which they're not doing. Bidenomics. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending at the movies? It is Wednesday, and you know what that means? It means I get to talk movies, even though it's not Friday, and I usually say that for Friday. But I am not going to be in tomorrow and Friday. So I thought I would do my movie review today because one of the big weekend releases is an R-rated comedy, Strays. It's about a group of stray dogs who seek revenge on a bad owner. Reggie, voiced by Will Ferrell, he is abandoned in a big city by his abusive owner. But he doesn't realize he's not loved, that he's hated. He doesn't know that. He thinks he's just been a bad dog. But then he meets up with the pack. A stray who's sworn off owners, a therapy dog who's too timid to act his size, and a collie who's starting to feel like she's being replaced by a younger dog. Mm. Oh, my God. Man, sure got to suck to compete with that. No, it's fine. <laughs> Bella's young and cute and fun, so of course Jenna loves him more than me right now, and I get that. Cool. Anyways, I was thinking if you guys were free later. But what I really don't get is why Jenna thinks it's so adorable when she spins around in circles. Like, I can do that in my sleep. But you know what? It's totally fine. It's fine. Mm, okay. But you know what? It doesn't get to me so much anymore. I'm fine. I'm not jealous or worried or angry or depressed or confused or fuming or unhinged at all. Yeah, you seem totally fine. And now that Jenna's spending so much time with Bella, it's given me a chance to do a little self-care. Like, I've been going into the digging. I really like the feeling of the soil under my nails. I'm just, like, out in the fresh air again. I'm just really connecting to the land. No, I'm, I'm learning. I love digging. I love digging. I love it. I love to dig. So once Reggie is convinced his owner was actually the problem, it wasn't him, the four of them go on a journey to track the owner down and exact revenge. Now, Strays is very much an R-rated film for language. It is very raunchy. It is very vulgar. But it's also hysterical, a film that is one of those kinds of movies you want to see with as many people as possible. You want the theater to be absolutely packed because there's some added bonus when everybody is breaking out in laughter at the exact same time. Reggie is sweet and innocent. Bug, the stray dog, played by Jamie Foxx, he's sassy, he's weird. And the pair make for a great buddy comedy. Now, the CGI on the dogs is really outstanding. They look like real dogs throughout the entire movie, and for all I know, they were real except for the speaking part. That was obviously CGI. But that's how seamless the special effects are. It all looks incredibly real. It's a very simple storyline, right? You're not going to get a ton of surprises in Strays. But it's one that is not just consistently funny and entertaining. It manages to have a heart. Strays is out this weekend, and it's a big recommend from me. And while I think you're okay to take your teens to it, I'm going to leave that one up to you. It, it Just be warned, this is not a dog film meant for young kids. It is not. It's for older teens and adults, and that's about it. Are you going to see Strays this weekend? What will you see, if anything? 1-800-465-8770 if you want to send me a text. Let's find out what else is trending.
What's trending? You can't make this up. We spoke about a contrived controversy with Bradley Cooper in the last hour. Let's go to what might be another contrived controversy, this time with Skittles. I made reference to it earlier in the week. They are now taking heat from some consumers because they're getting into, yet again, the world of identity politics driven by an obsession. In this case, they're doing some special packaging under the sort of the theme or the title Skittles Pride. When you go to their website, you can find it. And when you go to their website and you click on the Skittles Pride section, there's an animation that says there's a story in every rainbow. And on the site, it says we've given up on our rainbow so that the LGBTQ plus community can share theirs. This Pride Month, we're amplifying stories within the LGBTQ plus community for all to discover. We begin by showcasing the designs of five talented artists on our Skittles Pride Packs, each with their own story to tell. Now, what's odd is that August is not Pride Month. June is, but it's still up and it's still being pushed. And so they ended up swapping the, as they said, sort of that rainbow-colored packaging, which they've always had because it's Taste the Rainbow. It matches the color of the Skittles for different slogans. So it's mostly one of the sketches, for example, is black and white with the exception of a rainbow that's going through the packaging. And it's surrounded by what I'm presuming are black transgender people because it says black trans lives matter. Another one has a mouth with the rainbow pouring out of it and the words bi, ace, lesbian, queer, trans, and gay. I don't know what the ace part is. But the one, of course, that's getting the biggest pushback shows these, uh, I guess they're kids on skateboards. They're riding a half pipe with the phrases skate and live, joy is resistance, and black trans lives matter. So it caught the attention of some folks online, including libs of TikTok. They responded by sharing the image of the Skittles package and said, Skittles is trying to turn your kids into BLM and LGBTQ plus activists. Their packaging also features a drag queen. And I couldn't tell based on the images, but I'll go with them. And so immediately some folks, presumably on the right, although maybe not all on the right, responded by calling for a boycott. Stop buying Skittles ASAP. Go woke, go broke. Time to boycott Skittles. Some more tweets. Read that label carefully. Black Trans Lives Matter is the middle of a cart in is the middle of a cartoon playground full of kids on the package. This is marketing aimed at children. Skittles are produced and marketed by the Wrigley Company, a division of Mars. It isn't just the brand that is at fault, it's the company. That would be Mars. I, I so because I haven't seen this actually in stores. I don't think it's branded towards kids, so I kind of reject that language. I haven't seen this directly marketed towards kids. Just because it has kids on the cover doesn't mean it's marketed towards kids. What it clearly is, they're making a statement about kids, youth, and transgender issues because that is the big political topic du jour. It still is. This isn't about marketing to kids. It's about marketing to adults where they stand on a deeply contentious political issue. And they're not on the right side of this. They're not on the mainstream side of this. Republicans very clearly are. And it's not even seen as to to the average person. 
none of the issues around gender identity in children, whether it has to do with, you know, representation in schools or healthcare issues, none of this to the average person is seen as Republican versus Democrat or a political issue. It is seen as a social issue that Republicans are on the right side of and Democrats are on the wrong side of. And there's a difference between something being seen as political. Because when you see something as political, you can easily dismiss it. Oh, that's just Republicans taking a position. Or, oh, that's just Democrats taking a position because it's political. There's political motivations behind it. No, this one is kind of like the Black Lives Matter movement where you have an entire party that has branded itself around a movement. And at the time, certainly, Black Lives Matter was seen as legitimate. And that obviously has changed according to all of the polling. So I think that this is just seen as a social issue that the Republicans happen to be on the right side of. And that's what all the polling says. Skittles decided to get involved in this contentious political issue. They're on the wrong side. So, of course, they're going to face calls for boycotts. I don't know, again, whether or not this is going to uh, a boycott. Let's say it happened would matter all that much in the context of what we've seen with Target, with Bud Light, because I don't know what the market share for Skittles happens to be how many conservatives are eating skittles all of that matters when it comes to beer well conservatives and liberals drink beer it is a big tent product skittles i don't know how big tent it is mostly because skittles suck gross too sweet 1-800-465-877 if you want to send me a text when we come back we're going to take you through the political campaign in iowa alex mcadams from fox news is there at the iowa state fair she'll explain what's going on which candidates are surging and which ones you should be paying attention to heading into next week's debate. It's the Jason Ranch Show. The Jason Ranch Show. Here to react, Seattle Talk Radio host Jason Ranch. And the rise of soft on crime laws and policies have made it worse. Our man in the Pacific Northwest, Jason Rance, is on that. And you keep on bringing these extraordinary stories from Seattle. It's amazing. Long form. We got the debate coming up next week, which, by the way, we will be carrying live right here on KTTH. But all eyes are still in Iowa as the candidates, the folks looking to become the nominee on the Republican side, are. Shaking hands, trying to stay away from food on sticks because, well, usually the photos are embarrassing. Joining me on the line from Iowa, she's on the campaign trail following this all along, Alexis McAdams from Fox News. Alexis, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to join you from Des Moines. I can't tell if I am envious of your job or if I would be annoyed a few days in because it feels like you're just surrounded by all of the the just like the the politics of campaigning and what is it like on the campaign trail at this point yeah well it's definitely interesting to be here on the ground and talking with these candidates it's been fun to catch up with them and kind of see them without their suits and ties and really having to walk around here in the midwest and communicate with the voters and that's what people jason want to see is how they have their personalities on display we saw Senator Tim Scott out in Des Moines, um, and he was really working the crowd, shaking pretty much every single hand. People were stopping him. He was stopping them. Trump was only in the area for a short time, but created mm-hmm. quite the buzz. And then we saw DeSantis, who has spent a lot of time also in the state. He's planning to hit all 99 counties. So there's definitely a lot going on. It's been a busy time, but a fun time, too. Well, a lot is on the line for Ron DeSantis. And I, I can't tell whether or not his campaign is truly in trouble or is this more of a narrative that is just gaining more and more steam. What's it like on the ground? Is he organized? Does he have people showing up to his events? 
he does. He has people showing up to his events. And one of the things that I asked voters about, and then more specifically, I asked DeSantis about himself, is do you think you're a likable candidate? Because when he was here on the fairgrounds, there was a banner being flown by a small plane all over here in Des Moines that said, be likable, Ron. And that just keeps being told to him and told to him that people aren't connecting with him. And when I asked him why, he said he doesn't think that's the case. He thinks that his personality has been on display, that he gets down to the serious issues and that he's doing well in the state. He plans, he says, to hit all of those counties and bring in the delegates. And he thinks he has what it takes to beat Joe Biden. So in terms of how they're organized out here, he definitely had a shakeup in his campaign. And we saw that kind of play out. But we've had a lot more visibility with him media wise. I had like a 10 minute walk and talk with him. And I don't think that would have been the case a few months ago when I was out here in Iowa. So I think they're trying to let him kind of get out there and talk more with reporters. So we'll have to see if that helps with his likability. How important is a top two finish for DeSantis in Iowa? Yeah, he said that he's going to be the the top finisher in Iowa. He's not, you know, thinking at all about being in second place. But when you look at those power rankings that Fox News put out, that's kind of what it's looking like at this point. He says this state is so important to him, and he believes that going to all the rural counties Mm -hmm. is what's going to set him apart because he believes that those people who don't get a lot of attention sometimes in the state are going to remember him when they head to vote. Yeah, and and the reason why I ask just top two is depending on the level of candidate – we know that Iowa and New Hampshire can end a campaign, right? I mean, if someone comes dead last and there's a lot of, you know, there was a lot of talk going into the campaign, it, it just ends it. Which are the candidates that truly need to do something in Iowa? There, there's no expectation for some. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter where DeSantis or Chris Christie goes. They're going to last into the, the next several primaries. Who, who are the ones where everything is kind of on the line in this first appearance? Well, Tim Scott um, really is working hard in Iowa as well. Everything seems to be on the, on the line for him. He's polling pretty well in Iowa right mm-hmm. now. Uh, Nikki Haley um, has said that this state is so important to her, too, so things are on the line for her as well. And then Vivek Ramaswamy really had quite the impact on the crowd here, so he's hoping he's going to have a breakout moment that's going to be what sets him apart in this state. And uh, as we've talked with experts here on the ground and people who have covered campaigns in the past, they say, really, this state fair, even though it's a casual kind of, you know, walking around eating pork chops and different fried foods on a stick can really set people apart or put people who might not be doing that well in national polls ahead when we get to that time. Has Ramaswamy been so far the standout performer, the one that kind of took everyone by surprise? I think a little I think it would go to two parts. For me, I would say yeah, Vivek has done you know, a, a great job out here. He rapped on stage, knew every single word, <laughs> every single lyric to this Eminem song. So I think people thought that was fun. He kind of, you know, he wants to show he's not your average politician. But I was really, uh, you know, impressed by the way Tim Scott worked the crowds. He mm-hmm. has quite the personality. And out of all the people that we walked around with at the fair, Jason, he was stopped more than anyone. I mean, we would really? walk a few steps in our walk and talk and people would pull him to the side. A little boy came up to him and gave him a little piece of barbecue and said, I want you to be the next president. Like he had a lot of, a lot of traction out here and it was, uh, you know, the, the most stopped by anybody that we yeah. saw. So Trump, you know, was flanked with social or a secret service, but out of being on the ground, people really wanted to get to Tim Scott. So I think that he really kind of had a big moment at the fair. Yeah. And he's just so utterly likable, <laughs> like in every single way, yeah, he's very clearly he con- conservative, but he's like the nicest person. <laughs> 
Yeah, he was nice to everybody. I mean, shake everybody he walked by. You know, he would be passing them already, and he saw him kind of turn. He'd run back and shake their hand. <laughs> he thanked, you know, a couple of the security guards who were going by for everything they were doing at the fair. I mean, he yeah, he was very vivacious, and I think it was worked out for him and his team that he came on a day that there weren't wasn't so much competition because, you know, Trump and DeSantis took over in that whole Saturday, and he was only here with um, Asa Hutchinson, um, which we talked to, too, and he's still working on qualifying for the debate, but he was definitely in the spotlight at the fair. Scott. Is there anyone who just doesn't seem to want to be there? And I asked that question mostly because you just reminded me of Asa Hutchinson, who gave an interview, I, I think it was last week, to MSNBC, and it was basically complaining, oh, I got to get all these people to give me money in order to get on the debate stage, and I got to go talk to people in Iowa. It's just like, that's the worst possible attitude yeah, to take. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, in terms of working to get that money and having those conversations with those donors and getting on the phone, maybe that was the aspect that he was kind of not excited about. But he was, you know, he's from Arkansas. I talked about his agricultural background. He was here with his wife, and he gaggled for quite a while with mm-hmm. all the media and then walked around for a while, too. So he seems to like the on-the-ground meeting and talking with people and finding out, you know, who they are, and he wants them to know who he is. But I think those calls that you got to step away from and ask people for money was probably something that he wasn't too <laughs> amped up about. Alexis McAdams joining us on the line in Iowa on the campaign trail. Obviously, next week's debate, all eyes on Donald Trump, whether or not he's going to show up. What what are folks thinking? He's very unpredictable. That's right. Unpredictable for sure. And we caught up with the former president here on the grounds and I was able to ask him real quick, are you going to come to the Fox News debate? And he laughed off the question and said, that'll be interesting. So in terms of if he's going to show up, we're not quite sure just yet. But everybody else that we've talked to out here, all the presidential hopefuls have said they want him to show up on that stage. They think it's what should be done for the American people so they can hear what he wants to do for the country. Who has not yet qualified? Um, so we're still looking into all of the numbers on that. New stuff comes in every day, and then we yeah. go to the RNC. Right now, Asa Hutchinson is not qualified, and then also uh, the mayor of Miami. So they're all trying to, you know, Francis Suarez says he's mm-hmm. believing he's going to be able to push that through. Um, but they can they can get to it. I think it's interesting to look at the creativity that everybody puts out. Like people are giving out gift cards. Yep. People are People are using their, you know, all of their different ways to try and qualify. Um, And everybody except Donald Trump wants to remind voters, too, that, hey, it's still early. um, But, you know, that time click, that time is passing quick. So if you haven't qualified yet, you know, we're a week out now. So what are the politics of this if Trump doesn't show up? I I imagine I'm assuming fewer people would probably watch or certainly in in the context of Trump showing up. But, you know, do do people... uh, really take these this early that seriously from a a voter perspective what have you heard from them well here in iowa they say they do watch the national polls but they want to hear what people have to say in the debate stage and i think everybody knows what donald trump stands for he's got that tight Mm -hmm. grip still on the republican party um but yeah i think people do want to see what might be different and if donald trump doesn't show up on the debate stage it's going to give these other candidates more time to shine and talk about their policy and their plans if donald trump does show up he's going to have a lot of questions too about you know we're at indictment number four right now so Mm -hmm. even when donald trump isn't there just like at the state fair when he left all the conversations do go back to him and his name kind of hangs over uh the des moines area so i'm sure that'll be the same thing in milwaukee yeah as of right now the real clear national polling for the gop nomination as trump 
up at 54.5%, uh, DeSantis at a uh, little under 15, and then Ramaswamy under six uh, or near six. Uh, good luck uh, as you continue to cover the campaign in Iowa. I-, I wish I came from a state where my vote actually mattered when it came to any of this. But uh, unfortunately, Washington State, no matter who I vote for on the Republican side, uh, probably doesn't really matter. Alex McAdams, I appreciate you stopping by. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And again, remember, folks, on Wednesday of next week, we will be carrying the Fox News debate live right here starting at 6 p.m. Hope you'll tune in for that. When we come back, quick hit. The Jason Rant Show. Let's bring in our man in the Pacific Northwest, KTTH, Seattle Talk Radio host Jason Rantz. Great to have you with us to tell people a little bit more about this. Jason Rantz is in focus now. Jason Rantz, thank you for your reporting on that. The Quick Hit. I'm paying close attention to some of the shenanigans going on when it comes to conservative authors because obviously I'm a conservative author. I've got my first book coming out next month, September 26th. It's called What's Killing America? Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. No, it is not self-published. I get paid and everything. And I'm paying close attention, obviously, because what ends up happening to some other authors could very easily happen to me. We already know as conservatives going into publishing, it's harder for us to get mainstream attention. We'll get attention from conservative outlets, but that's about it. And so in a lot of ways, the best possible marketing campaign for any of us to undergo involved digital, right? Whether it simply means putting no money into it and just tweeting to promote our books, putting it on our Facebook pages or our Instagram accounts, whatever it happens to be, or doing a paid ad campaign and getting ads in front of folks on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or wherever, And you do that because they obviously, these social media companies collect a lot of data on individuals. And based on that data, you get a better sense of, well, who might want to purchase this book? Who might want to be interested in reading about the topic of an individual book? And sometimes it's not only conservatives that you're targeting. You're targeting Democrats, moderates. Sometimes you're you're playing into the let's put this ad in front of folks who we know will hate us and be seething mad, but will still purchase, like hate read one of our books. And from my perspective, we haven't done any paid advertising yet. I believe that happens next month, so in just a couple weeks. But Mark Levin has a book coming out the week before my book comes out. And it's all about how the Democrat Party hates America. That's actually the title, The Democrat Party Hates America. And about a month ago, Mark Levin found out that Target said they weren't going to, the the individual stores would not carry copies of his books, of this book, because it might offend people. It's too offensive. It's too controversial. So Mark Levin, you know, pointed this out. He pushed people to go to Amazon instead to purchase his book. And the truth is, Target coming out and banning was great marketing. It was like great marketing. I'm waiting for them to make the decision not to carry my book because we'll certainly use that to market. That's how you turn a pretty crummy situation into a positive. But the backlash was pretty significant. And then, bam, Target said, oh, okay, never mind. We're walking them back. We'll carry the book. Well, now, according to the Levin team, Facebook and Instagram 
notified Simon & Schuster, the publisher of his book, that they will not allow ads on their sites. They say the platforms do not like the title of his book, that according to the Washington Examiner, and that Scott Levin, they say, fighting mad with meta boss Mark Zuckerberg. He tweeted out, or X'd out, or posted, whatever we're saying now on X, <laughs> a statement in response. Facebook and Instagram have blocked my book from being advertised on their sites because of the title. Just another example of their censorship. Maybe I'll put the book in Chinese and ask the Chinese regime to post it, in which case Zuckerberg would dare not block it. By the way, I'd be happy to meet you in a UFC ring anytime, little fella. <laughs> I love him. And I haven't seen any response yet. I haven't seen anything directly from Meta, which is the parent company of both Facebook and Instagram. But obviously, this brings attention to the plight that conservative authors face. And they know in big tech the importance of digital media, digital coverage, marketing. And maybe it's a little bit less important with Mark Levin because he has such a large platform in addition to his radio show, which is on KTTH. And he'll be on the show, by the way, in the next couple of weeks. But in addition to that, he's got his TV show on Fox. He's got over a million followers on social media. So it's a little bit easier for him to cope. But I, I keep thinking about what if that were to happen to me and my book? Because that would really severely hurt. I'm not going to be able to sell a bunch of books just on this show. And as much as I hope every single person who's listening will go ahead and pre-order on Amazon, What's Killing America?, I'm not going to turn this show into, you know, five days a week, nonstop promotion of my book. I'm just not going to do that. Not that the company would allow me if I asked, but I wouldn't even ask because I wouldn't allow me to do that. It's not a good look. It's boring radio. And I don't want all of my tweets or my Facebook posts or my truth social posts, whatever it is, to be constantly pumping up my book. And so we will be relying on digital media. They could cut us just like that. And I wouldn't have even close to the platform to highlight that problem that Mark Levin does. So that's why I'm paying such close attention to this. And well, I'm not sure I would say I'm anxious at this point, mostly because I generally don't feel anxiety like that. But I'm hyper aware. And I'm starting to think about ways that I can get around that. And the truth is, they could easily destroy the success of this book. I'll be on Fox News promoting it. And obviously, when we get closer to the release date, I will be talking a lot more about it. But beyond that, that's not just going to make a bestseller. I don't have that name and, and you know name recognition to the point of a, a Mark Levin who or Sean Hannity or many of the hosts there who can just put out a book and just the name alone. And because they're on in front of millions of people every single day, they can sell a lot of copies and become a bestseller. We already know that becoming a bestseller is even more difficult for conservatives. They don't. When you look at, for example, the New York Times bestseller list, you might think that because someone's on the list and depending on their spot, they've sold more books than others. Meaning if you're number four, you will have sold more books than the number six on that list. No, that's not the case. You can sell fewer books than others, 
and land on the bestseller list while someone else who sold more books doesn't even get on the list because they don't just look at the number of books that are purchased. They have some algorithm that they use, some formula that they use that they don't promote. They don't tell us what it is. That takes into account all sorts of external issues. Where is the book being promoted? And it, of course, by the way, it always seems like the conservatives have to sell a heck of a lot more books and get a lot more attention for a book to get good placement on the New York Times bestseller list. And so, again, I look at my numbers. We only have access right now to Amazon pre-sales. And my publisher says they're really good. To me, they seem low. (laughs) But I don't know the context of where things are. And I expect to sell thousands and thousands and thousands of books a day. But I understand that's not how it works. The publisher is happy, so I guess I am as well. But the idea that I'm going to have to work even harder, I'm going to have to hustle even more than I already do, just to even get recognition on a book, that's just daunting. And that's a little depressing. So I can't imagine what Mark Levin is feeling. Someone who is very clearly accomplished, very smart, very entertaining, very informative. And he puts a lot of effort into the work he does, just like most people who work in conservative media. And he's facing all these headwinds. And then just the prospect of me having to face those headwinds, oh my God. We give so much power to big tech. We give so much power to outside influences, which is why I'm always a big supporter of like supporting other folks in conservative media. Granted, Mark Levin is on this station, but if he wasn't, I would still support him. Sean Hannity is not on KTTH. I support the heck out of him. The people who are working in this space, we work pretty darn hard and it's not easy we get shunned a lot because we're conservatives and we get mistreated in the mainstream media because of it so with all that said i will pitch my book for just about 30 seconds left of the show of this hour please a big part of how we can get on a bestseller list and how we can ensure that the shenanigans don't go on on release day where all of a sudden amazon says oh we sold out of books we didn't order enough The best way to combat that is to pre-order the book. And as much as it makes me feel weird having to pitch it like that, it's the truth. So if you would, it's only $27 on Amazon. You can also get it if you don't like Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. It's over at Walmart.com. It's available at Books A Million for those of the podcast listeners who are familiar with Books A Million on the East Coast. It's wherever you get your books. Hardcover is what matters here. So if you could pre-order What's Killing America, I would be very grateful. I also have the links to all of the direct uh, pages so you can purchase on these various uh, outlets or retail stores over on my Twitter feed. It's the first tweet, twitter.com slash Jason Rants, or just search Jason Rants. Please pre-order What's Killing America inside the radical left's tragic destruction of our cities. And the more people, by the way, who purchase it on Amazon, the cheaper the book ends up becoming, and then you end up getting a refund by the time the book comes out. You're listening to The Jason Rant Show. 